if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we will go not anymore in the future because artificial intelligence is not anymore in the future, it's today. So we'll go to talk about artificial intelligence. And yes, as said, a lot of when we were a kid, maybe for some of us, uh, we were talking about artificial intelligence, like uh, the big thing that will... Uh, be controlling the world and everything. So <laughs> let's see what the state is actually. And for that, I have with me Christophe Girardet from Vega. So Christophe, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Yeah, thank you, Mounir, for the invitation. I think, yeah, as you said, it's uh, no longer the future. <laughs> I remember very well many films in the past. Uh, maybe you remember iRobot. iRobot, yeah, exactly. I wanted to say that, the, the, the movie <laughs> iRobot. It's going to happen now. And uh, I think it's important to, to make some statement about where are we and Exactly. So yeah, let's let's review that specifically for medical devices. Uh, but before to start, you were on the podcast um, two two times now. So, but maybe yeah, people don't know you uh, specifically. So, can you make a small introduction of yourself? Yes, I'm pleased to do so. So I'm Christophe. From background, I was a software developer uh, at the beginning of my career, but I always work in the regulated industry in various uh, areas. So first in traffic air traffic control area, also highly regulated. Now, since uh, many years with Vega, uh, specialized in pharma and uh, medical devices, especially so life science area. And myself, I mainly focus on uh, quality aspects, uh, regulatory aspects, and now to fulfill all of that. And with a big focus on software and uh, artificial intelligence is obviously software. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's in short about me. Yeah. Yeah. So we start now to talk more and more about artificial intelligence, um, more and more also when, for example, we talk, we start to talk with about chat GPT, for example, or about a lot of software that are now starting to use artificial intelligence for that. Sometime I wanted to, you know, we have the, the acronym software as medical devices. At a point I will say, can we now create artificial intelligence as a medical device? Because mainly <laughs> it's, it's looking like that. So, uh, so, we have now a lot of software that are really talking about the fact that they are using artificial intelligence, etc. So just to clarify a bit, because mm -hmm. this can maybe be scary for some people when we start to talk about that. Can we just as an introduction, make a clear information of what is artificial intelligence or what, and if there are many types of it, or if it's one artificial intelligence only? Mm -hmm. no, absolutely. And I think this is an important aspect because many people talk about artificial intelligence when they just talk about maybe 
complex statistics or they think they have built an artificial intelligence. But you are right, there is right now a lot of uh, advertisement or uh, trend when you talk about ChatGPT, I think. Many of the people in the podcast probably used it already and tried it. This is a conversational, conversational uh, artificial intelligence, but you have also many other examples already uh, available on the market, maybe. Self-driving car uh, is an aspect that is existing since many years that uses quite a lot of artificial intelligence. Maybe some more uh, uh, routine uh, tools to use, like maybe Spotify, Netflix, they use as well some aspect like that. When you listen to a specific music, they will recommend some others that you might like in the future. There are already some aspects like that. But what is it really the difference to, to classical software? It's maybe the place where really we need to make a little bit of, of theory uh, first is, in classical uh, software, what you typically have is you, you have a program that you, that you develop, and when you inject some data to this program, it gives you an answer. And this is typically uh, deterministic. You know exactly what type of answers, uh, it's black or white, right? When you talk about artificial intelligence, typically what you do is you first uh, collect data, and based on this data, you try to develop your program. So you train typically your, your program. So you develop a model to try to answer some questions about this data. So first you go collect the data, give them uh, to, to your program that you develop with those data. And then at the end, you get an answer. But in, in this case, the big difference to, uh, to the first uh, example I gave is that typically what the answer you get is a probability. So it will tell you, OK, based on the data I learned about and the one you just uh, gave me right now, it will tell you, OK, it's likelihood 90%. This is a dog or this is a cat when you give uh, an image like that. And this is uh, very important to understand that because this probability, especially in our medical device, when we talk about patients, it's important to understand, OK, what are what I'm able to get as an answer from my uh, artificial intelligence? Yeah, and um, as, as you've said so mainly, we have the input, we know what output we, will, we want to have, and what is happening in the middle is mainly this artificial intelligence that will try to find the solution. It's like a maze, try to find the solution to say, okay, now I know that each time you give me this, it mm -hmm. means that. So now mm -hmm. I find the, 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 the way on the maze to go yeah. to that direction. So each time you, you send me something that looks like that, so it will go through this maze on the same direction. Yeah. If it's yeah. a cat, it's this direction. If it's a dog, it's this direction, et cetera. So, but as soon as this maze or these connections are done, you, you, it's, it's frozen, I suppose. Well, this is exactly the, the important aspect to understand. So there are a few different types of, uh, of artificial intelligence. There are some where you uh, lock, exactly as you said, so it's frozen, but you can also have uh, some models that continuously learn with the data that are injected in their operational status. And this is really also crucial to know in which models are you, because uh, if it's continuously learning, then you really need to have very crucial monitoring in place, because if it's learning in the wrong direction, uh, how do you ensure that uh, the outcome is still correct, right? So uh, in many cases, uh, or the projects we have been facing, it's more a locked uh, basis. So you have a certain set of data that you use to develop your model. And then this is uh, frozen for that, and then tested for that. And then you put it in production. And then you can continue to monitor, OK, is it good, is it bad? And you, add, you make a retraining based on additional data you might have missed in the first phase of training. And this is really a crucial difference if it is 
doing it autonomously, or if it's you or as a manufacturer deciding on when you want to retrain or optimize the, the artificial intelligence itself. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we'll talk about that mainly just after for, for, for some of the risks that we, we, we are seeing on that. Um, another question, we are talking about artificial intelligence. Uh, Sometimes we hear about machine learning, neural network. Um, mm -hmm. Is this different type? So it's exactly the same with different vocabulary or each one has its own particularity or... Yeah, I mean, I don't want to become too technical because there are many people that are probably uh, not so expert into that, but usually you have a certain hierarchy. So artificial intelligence is the broad term. A sub uh, part of that is uh, machine learning. And then you have a sub subset of machine learning, which are more um, aspects like um, exactly neural networks, uh, all these aspects you might have heard. But um, all those terms are not synonym. And it's sometimes really important to have also, you have experts that know exactly what all those terms mean. But it's important, maybe as we talked about that, that QA also, or QA array understand, okay, what does that mean for me in terms of, of quality? In which area am I? What type of model does that mean? And how can I specify, test it, verify it? So it's important to have a basic understanding, but it can become quite technical. This is why it is uh, important to have a bridge between the technicalities and the quality uh, aspects. Yeah, as you said, so the idea is mainly to have the right vocabulary, the right understanding. Also for, because we have made a previous episode where we talk about uh, connection between the software developers and the quality team. And we say also talking the same language is important. So for quality people to understand that. So yeah, it's, it's something that is really, really important. Here. And so many use this as synonym, artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning, uh, neural networks, but this is actually not exactly the case. So you should try to understand the differences uh, within that and identify where are you with your products that you want to develop. Right? Exactly. So in terms of um, artificial intelligence, we are, as I've said, associating that with the fact that this can take the control of the world. Uh, at the end, it will be more powerful than humans, so then they can control humans, etc., and uh, etc. So, what are the risks that we have now in artificial intelligence for medical devices specifically? So, what are the things that realistically we can say there is here a risk here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think this is an important aspect, yeah. and uh, this is not only in medical device, by the way, uh, the case, but also in other areas. I mean, when you talk about self-driving car, if someone <laughs> gets an accident, uh, you also need to evaluate those risks. But uh, generally speaking, what is important um, to, to be aware of is that you always have a certain uh, bias or risks based on uh, several aspects. So the data you selected originally to train your model, you can have certain effects that you overfit uh, based on the data you got at the beginning. So you are really good at this set of data you got, but as soon as something unexpected happens, then uh, the artificial intelligence gives you some totally uh, bullshit, let's say. So something that doesn't really know, no valid answer, which is something where the human can react quite well to, uh, to new data. And artificial intelligence, if it's something uh, where the model was really super optimized on what you gave, then it might react totally badly. You have the other way around. If you only have the average of what you, you had in the model, then you are not really so good because in many cases you would give a false positive or, or, or false uh, negative. And this is something that depending on the area you are, this could be quite crucial, especially when we talk about humans. 
having a false positive or false um, negative could be quite problematic. In one case, you do maybe too much of uh, uh, doctor investigation, if the algorithm tells you, oh, I think this guy might have uh, this disease, then uh, the doctor will investigate much more, and maybe at the end there is nothing. But if it is the other way around, the, the algorithm tells you, oh, but uh, there is no disease here, and the doctor doesn't pay attention, all of a sudden you might uh, say to, to the patient, you can go back home, there is, there is no risk in here. And it's why, it's why I suppose also we have a lot of disclaimers on those kind of software to say, this is just for information purpose. You still need to analyze everything and to verify that it's correct. You still have to have a second opinion, etc. It's not like you just take it and use it as is. You have really to process this information. So I suppose this is the reason also. I think these disclaimers are important, but I think uh, when the, the technology will evolve, I think step by step, we will start to see more and more of autonomous uh, artificial intelligence where maybe the doctor will not be so much involved as it might be right now. And this is important to, to, to really define what are the, the key criteria, the key aspects that we want to, to monitor. So I talked about this true positive, true negative. Maybe you have heard about some, um, there are some specific factors. Uh, maybe you have heard about uh, F1 factor, which is a famous um, um, criteria that is used to, to, to make the best trade-off. So any of this algorithm is usually a compromise between, okay, I want to be sure that I only have true positive, then you exclude maybe some uh, some data, or if you uh, you want to be sure that you don't uh, make any mistake, you are always um, in a trade-off situation. And this F1 score is exactly uh, what you can use to determine. Okay, what is the the criteria I want to use to verify if my algorithm is 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 good enough or not good enough? And this is something that is also recommended by some health authorities. We will come to that, I think, later on, but. Uh, Maybe to give some concrete examples, so uh, there are some, some famous studies uh, or some famous examples of also how you can misinterpret uh, some of the data or overinterpret some of the data. Um, maybe you have heard about, uh, this is, has nothing to do with medical device, but there is a famous example that is provided in many artificial intelligence lectures. It's about uh, wolf uh, versus husky um, challenge. Okay, what's that? The objective is uh, you, you, uh, uh, the algorithm needs to determine if a picture is a husky ah. or a, a wolf. Okay. You know, it looks very similar. Yeah. Even for humans, it might be sometimes tricky to determine, okay, is it good or is it bad? There was a challenge uh, to, to make an algorithm that would determine that. And it was surprisingly very uh, successful, this algorithm. Uh, but they realized at the end that the problem was uh, as soon as, for example, you had a wolf that was not with the snow in the background, ah. that the algorithm was completely failing. Because actually what they developed was a snow detector. Uh, okay. Because many of the, the images that were given to train the data, to train the model, were with a wolf with snow in the background and the husky with some grass in the background. And so at the end, they thought, wow, fantastic, we are detecting uh, easily that. But at the end, the problem was the data were not representative enough. So they thought, oh, cool, uh, the model is perfect. But as soon as you got real data, real stimulation, then the algorithm was failing. Because yeah, it's not focusing on the ski or the wolf. It's also taking the environment around, etc. So there is also some match that needs to be there because it's linking to this uh, to this kind of image. Then it is really important to to be aware of this type of bias that might occur because this can occur very well as well in in our uh, medical device world. So there is also another famous example which is closer to us is 
uh, there was a, a similar attempt um, to determine, okay, uh, we checked patients with uh, pneumonia. Okay. And, uh, and there was the additional factor of uh, are those patients having asthma or not? Okay. And typically, when uh, you have a pneumonia and you have asthma, this is a, an additional factor that would lead the doctor probably to tell you, okay, uh, this patient should probably stay in the hospital and not be sent at home. And what they did is they also uh, tried to stimulate an artificial intelligence with this type of data. And at the end, what they wanted to check is what is the surviving rate of the patient, right? Uh, is it uh, better? And what the artificial intelligence came with the conclusion is that the surviving rate was actually better with um, pneumonia and asthma. But uh, in this case, what they suggested is send back this patient at home because the surviving rate is better. Okay. But they didn't pay attention to the fact that, okay, but the, the fact that they survived is because they were actually uh, at the hospital station at the hospital, right? So these are really interesting uh, theoretical or practical <clears throat> use case where you can see it's very important to really understand what uh, data do you need, what the model is capable of delivering and interpreting as well what the, uh, the model can tell you. And this is where you really need to have uh, a teamwork, you need to have the SME, so really the, the guy knowing the clinical aspects very well and know exactly what are the critical aspects to check, and as well the technical people that are able to stimulate with those, uh, with those data properly and develop the right model, and be sure that you really don't over-interpret what you get or misinterpret what you get from those data, because in the example I gave with pneumonia, I mean, uh, the, of course, it was just uh, uh, um, a case where the doctor did not trust yet the artificial intelligence. But let's say you go to the reception at the hospital, it uh, checks this type of thing and say, go back home, please. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think I think I think it's really important to to have uh, all those experiences or real world information. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, here. Um, you get those information, you try to process them. As you said, there is interpretation. And as we always say, you can make the numbers say whatever you want them to say. So mainly this is the kind of thing. So, But do you think that we have enough background also from the quality, regulatory affairs, health authorities, etc., to understand all that and to make the right decision to say, oh, let's qualify this product because this is not, do we have the knowledge, enough knowledge now to be able to authorize some products to be on the market or not because of all those real world information? Hey, just a second. Do you need a EU, Swiss or UK representative? Then choose Easy Medical Device. We can represent you and also become your importer. Contact us at eo at easymedicaldevice.com. I mean, that's coming back to the, the training aspect we talked at the beginning. I think this is for everyone, for the notified body, for the QA, for uh, the developer, but as well for the health authorities. These are all uh, a bit new world, but it's not so new anymore. As you said at the beginning, uh, there are already, and this is maybe just my perspective, but I have the feeling health authorities are even in the driving seat on everything related to, to AI. In many occasions, I have the feeling, okay, they are always behind what the manufacturer and what the people are developing. But here, they were already proactively thinking uh, quite ahead uh, in advance about, okay, what, what, what do we need to consider for, uh, for machine learning, for artificial intelligence? And I think FDA back already in 2018 or 19, I'm not sure anymore, 
uh, made this uh, pre-cert program you might have heard about. Yeah. Part yeah, of that was also to release a white paper, which is meanwhile uh, has been further developed on, okay, what is really the expectations um, in terms of, uh, of regulations, of regulatory side, to validate or to prove that those models can work. And so the FDA came with a concept you might have heard about, good machine learning practice, GMLP. Yeah. I think this was half of a joke because they already have good manufacturing practice, good laboratory practice. Yeah. Here it's a GMLP. But there are quite a lot of uh, aspects that, uh, from what I already mentioned in there, in this good machine learning practice about, okay, you need to have really a, a key central aspect is you need to select a proper data set, a proper data set with, okay, what does that mean? Uh, having enough data that are representative for the clinical uh, aspect I want to treat. But also a critical aspect is to uh, separate those data into, okay, one part you use to really develop your model, but one other part you use to verify your model. And this should not be the, right, the same data because if you use a certain set of data to train the model and test with exactly the same data, then of course it will be very good. This is the example I gave with the Husky before. Of course the model will be perfect because he knows already what you are going to, to, to ask him, right? So it is really important to have the segregation and also the, the statistical representativity of those data. So having enough cases that represent really uh, what is uh, um, available on this clinical case uh, itself, right? So those are aspects that are already clearly defined in there, as well as the explainability uh, of the model. So how can you also explain to the notified body or to the authorities how it is really working? So. Per definition, some of the aspects are sometimes a bit black boxing. Uh, you don't know exactly what happens in the deep of the neural networks of the aspects. But how, it, how was it designed? How was it really? Um, uh, how did you select the data? How do you ensure this data uh, integer? And uh, I think those aspects are really important and goes into this explainability. Um, and also, what are the criteria to ensure your model is good? So I talked about this F1 score, for example, before. So define exactly what are your acceptance criteria. So how do you, uh, are you going to judge that this is good? Or where do you think uh, it should be a trigger that, for example, the doctor should have a look at that? If, for example, uh, an algorithm will tell me, okay, I think you have 50.1% uh, to have a tumor. Does that mean, okay, uh, he has a, uh, or the other way around 50.1 to not have a tumor, and then the doctor doesn't pay attention to that. Well, I think that should be not really how we should uh, act on that. If it's saying, okay, 99.9%, maybe there is a less uh, scrutiny that is expected from the, from the doctor. But also these type of things are relevant in terms of risk management, instruction for use for, for, for the users. So where do we expect a certain, uh, is the algorithm then supposed to say, I don't know, please have exactly. a look. Or is the algorithm supposed to say, I think 50.9% it is that. Or what do we really expect? This is really also a crucial aspect in terms of usability and uh, and risk management here that are maybe specific and different to a classical algorithm because this probabilistic aspect is coming into the game here. Yeah, I, I think I think this is also an important point. Uh, you can develop uh, the tool, the software with everything. At the end, you give the information as an output, as a percentage, as you said, 50.1%. Then there is two decisions, or we give this number and the doctor is choosing or deciding what to do, or we give this number with some scales to say if it's between 90 to 99, then it's 
it's uh, nearly sure it's fine it's fine if it's between that and that you should still do this exam or this thing if this is etc etc so give some guidance also so there are multiple ways that the software developers can also do that but this can also change their risks in terms of software regulation etc all the tests that they have to do and to prove that all the outcomes are correct etc so there are more maybe requirements uh for 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 that um in terms of fda because apparently fda is really in advance for 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 these things um they have issued guidances and i suppose a lot of people are looking at those guidances also um what about the other regions mm -hmm. so europe i saw that also last time it was saudi arabia that has received something something also in australia are we talking about a common approach mm -hmm. harmonized approach here or they are completely different and going in different direction and then i have to follow these rules for us this rule for you this rule for australia etc etc Yeah, I mean, this is a, a general question that is not only for artificial intelligence relevant, but I think here, especially there are a lot of movements. It's not only uh, FDA. So as you correctly said, there are other countries. There was also a um, joint paper made by the FDA with uh, Canada and uh, UK authority. You might have heard about that. No, I didn't saw that. No. Also listing some uh, um, uh, good practices for machine learning. So this was the joint uh, okay. efforts for this region. So let's say the English speaking uh, <laughs> world. <laughs> I don't know exactly how to formulate that, but UK, Canada and US together. Uh, in the EU, uh, you already talked about uh, specific aspects um, in another podcast about the AI Act. AI Act, yeah, with Eric Volbrecht, we talked about it. I, I think we'll do another one because I think there were some changes also on the European AI Act, yeah. This one is not specific uh, for medical device, but it's no. also interesting for in terms of regulations. But maybe you have heard about also, uh, I think you talked about that in a recent um, regulatory update. There is as well uh, some um, paper from the ENISA. The yeah, yeah I saw, I just, on the previous uh, monthly review, yeah, we have this big paper talking about the model of Im medical imaging with mm -hmm. uh, the threats due to uh, AI for cybersecurity and for privacy also. Yeah, so there, there was also this, this one. Is, I can really recommend to read it. It's interesting yeah. because it gives perspective first on AI generally. So in that specific use case, they talk about its uh, osteoporosis. So they talked about also here, how can you give X-ray images and get some uh, recommendation from an algorithm? And this is uh, talking generally about the AI first. Then they talk about also cybersecurity aspects. And so some aspects are, I would say, have nothing to do with the uh, AI itself. So it's more generic aspects like, okay, you have patient data in, in the cloud, it's uh, pseudonymized data uh, or to protect those data and ensure they are not uh, used for other purposes. But there are also some specific uh, cybersecurity risks um, related to the use of AI. And you might have heard about poisoning uh, attack. Yeah. So here there are some uh, some threats that come into the game that you can also have um, either it is a one person, this is maybe during the training of the model. Uh, there might be, in the example they give, it's a radiologist maybe uh, is fearing that uh, he will lose his job because AI uh, will replace uh, his position, right? So he might be manipulating the, the data by saying, okay, this one is is, uh, is not osteoporosis or this one is when it's the other around. So that the model at the end gives 
bad answer and then you say, oh, I, I'm still needed, you know? <laughs> and uh, the, the same can happen also with some uh, cybersecurity attacks. So you can get some uh, Trojan uh, that would do similar things, some manipulations of, uh, of the model of, of the data. And so they also recommend here some specific uh, risk management. And there are here some specific countermeasures you can apply against those things. And uh, maybe you have heard about strip. This is something they talk about. Uh, it becomes really technical here, but uh, uh, it's, it stays for strong intentional perturbation. And this is a way to um, as I intentionally uh, modify or perturbate the data coming into the, the model. Uh, to, uh, to see if there is a, a kind of uh, deterministic manipulation uh, happening in the model. So it's quite technical, as I said, but there are ways to counterfeit these aspects. But the paper is really good because it gives the, the general aspects of AI, also the cybersecurity in general, but also cybersecurity risk specifically to an AI aspect. So I can really recommend to read that. I think I think what we are saying now is really important um, for the medical device manufacturers also because those documents, those guidances, the health authorities, the notified bodies are also checking that and, and looking at that. So surprisingly, maybe when you will present to them your um, product, your software, they will maybe have those questions. Mm -hmm. Do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have this model? What about poisoning? What about strip? What about this? What about that? And if you are here saying, what is he talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you are not in a good shape then. Yeah, exactly. it's why try to be ahead of the authorities or notified bodies mm -hmm. because if they ask you those questions, you should be aware as per the regulation, you should always keep up to date the regulatory aspect and the quality information standards, et cetera, et cetera. So try to get uh, knowledgeable about this because uh, they may ask you and they may need also to get some evidence that you are taking that uh, that into account. I mean, I mean this is the general uh, regulations, you uh, risk management. It's just that there are additional yeah. risks, right? Uh, that can come with, okay, the probability we talked a lot about. There are some additional cybersecurity risks. There are some additional aspects that you really need to be, to be aware of when you talk about um, uh, artificial intelligence. And as you said, you need to be ahead of what potentially can be asked. And if there are some white papers that that you need to know them before uh, you get uh, uh, marking for those markets because these will certainly be aspects they will want to have a look at right so if you exactly. have from the fda some from the eu you need to know them and uh, they are luckily uh, i would say quite well overlapping so the aspects we talked about good machine learning practices uh, right model right data separation this is found in many of the those uh, white papers. There is also one from Saudi Arabia that was uh, published. Yeah. So, and this one is also uh, uh, repeating some of these things. And to answer the question about the global, uh, I think that would be a nice thing to try to harmonize at the IMDRF, uh, DRF level that really we can try to have really a, a, a global uh, standpoint. Okay, what do we really want to have in terms of, uh, of uh, artificial intelligence? But whether or not this is utopic, uh, I don't know, because the, I mean, we have the same situation with normal products right now that depending on the, the country you want to sell it, yeah. it's quite uh, diverse. So it's, it's clear. It... Um, also a, a question here about uh, those products. So I was last week on a, 
on a conference in Lausanne, um, which was about startups that uh, are trying to get some investment from uh, from from people. And I was there just to give the aspect of the quality and uh, the regulatory affairs situation for UMDR and all the rest. Um, and during the the talk, one person asked me, but in terms of artificial intelligence, are there already some products, some software as medical devices that are certified? for mm -hmm. EU, MDR, etc. So I was surprised. I said, yes, I mean, I was, I'm helping some companies, so I, I give some names, but it's, it was like surprising for them that it's already passing some certification because for them, arch intelligence is not really something that we can uh, easily make a regulation pass. So is there a list or something somewhere where we can see all the products that are already mm -hmm. um, approved and have a, uh, have the, this functionality of artificial intelligence? Yes, there is, and uh, there is actually, um, and maybe you can put that on the show notes afterwards, uh, the link to, there is a FDA uh, list. This is not uh, an up-to-date or dynamic list, but uh, they uh, update it, I think, once a year or something like that. I think the last update was from uh, autumn last year, I think. And you yeah. can find out there um, examples. Or, uh, it's not meant to be holistic, but you can already find there, I think, something like 500 uh medical device using ai that were that are officially released on the market and uh, they all even offer uh, you the a download of an excel file where you can build statistics you would see that for example quite a lot is within um, the radiology area so a lot of the the things are happening in there in the ai world so the osteoporosis example is not coming from nowhere i think these are really concrete use cases that are quite heavily already um, productively used so really image processing, having a look at some uh, uh, X-ray or uh, MRI data, and out of that, uh, try to deduce if there are some specific uh, symptoms or uh, disease available. So this list is uh, not meant to be, uh, I think, a holistic list from the FDA. But uh, as I said, it already contains, I think, more than 500. Um, yeah, I, I'm just looking at it now because I, I just searched while you are speaking on the thing. So I say, yeah, it's artificial intelligence and machine learning enabled medical devices with 531 products. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, a lot of products, radiology, cardiovascular, what else again? Clinical chemistry, ophthalmol ophthalmic, neurology. Yeah, so there are a lot of products. So I think it can be, uh, uh, and even one product that I have helped to, to get C certification, okay. so great. It's also in the US. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think, yeah, I will put this list on the show notes um, so that uh, you can you can get that. But uh, yeah, so you see, yeah, it's not the future anymore. Yeah. We, it is, there are already some products that are satisfied. We have that for FDA. Do we have a list for EU or, you know? I'm not aware that there is a similar uh, list of EU, but uh, I I might just don't know about that because okay. uh, as we talked about, it's quite dynamic as well on the regular exactly. side. So it could be that they also publish something similarly, but the one from the FDA is, uh, is already, I would say, useful to just, okay, answer the question you had before. I mean, it's not the future. We already have so, so many that are on the market. For me, what would be interesting as well, maybe to add in the list is we talked at the very beginning about Okay, is it a locked uh, algorithm yeah. or is it now a continuous learning algorithm? Yeah. And maybe this would be also interesting to see. Do we already have really machines uh, continuously learning and that are just uh, <laughs> deciding on themselves how they continue to learn to yeah. a little bit? But this type of classification would be as well interesting to see. In this yeah, yeah, I think it could be really great just, just to know also which software yeah, we can 
um, yeah, because uh, getting also those real um, information can help also new manufacturers to develop maybe the, the right things also. So it's, uh, I think, great. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now I think we, we covered um, all the topics that I wanted to, to ask you today mm -hmm. uh, on AI. Uh, and as I said, this is a topic that will be, yeah, we will talk about that maybe maybe within the next decade, <laughs> if I can say, because there are a lot of uh, improvements that are happening, a lot of changes, uh, even in the regulation. Um, I'm happy also that sometimes uh, the manufacturers are ahead of the regulation because then they can test, verify, and they can maybe make some mistakes. But at the end, the regulation comes back and then really put some scope and and uh, and then focus on, on some uh, risks and, and whatever. So this is mainly something that is really uh, also important. Um, okay, so um, Christophe, thank you for, for that. Can we just, you are from Vega, so why mm -hmm. people should contact you if they have any need? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, uh, specifically on the artificial intelligence, so what we, we do have a lot as well internally is we have also data scientists, uh, artificial intelligence experts that are able to either develop the model or really also talked about, uh, about it with the developers within companies. So we have some startups, for example, they have the expertise in, in the model, but they don't know what, what are the regulations behind, or which should they specify. So it's important to have also someone able to speak the language. Okay, what does he talk about now when you talk about convolutional neural network? Is it really, uh, for some people, it might sound uh, really totally uh, exotic. And we have really this expertise in-house, as well as the regulatory and quality affairs side. So we are here to help on all these aspects to to decide on how to develop the model, to validate those models, ensuring they are good. Also, what to put in place in terms of post-market surveillance to monitor as well. Yeah. Because, um, this is also a very important aspect that you continuously check, is it, uh, is it going uh, in the right direction with real-world data? Do I get some mistakes over there? Or can I then retrain my model based on that? So those are all strategies that are important to have in mind and where we are happy to help. No, oh, great. So don't hesitate to contact uh, Christophe uh, or anybody from Vega if you have any, any request. I'll put anywhere all the information on the show notes so to get a website and all the, the information uh, about that. And I think I put also some uh, some links to some of your um, maybe um, websites or, or, or articles that you have already uh, created for. Yeah, for, yeah. For I, I created an article as well with, um, with some uh, neurologists or doctors about uh, some of these aspects we talked about. It was published in, in Nature, which uh, yeah, we, I have the article. We rediscuss exactly some of the aspects uh, ethically as well. Okay, who, uh, how should the doctor react? How should the doctor understand these type of things, uh, these models? Uh, this article is a lot about that. So great. So for those that are listening, don't hesitate to go on the show notes. There are all the information. We put a lot of information also for you to learn uh, and also to, if you want to contact uh, Vega for, for any, any, any other question. Okay, thanks, uh, Christophe. It was really helpful. Um, I hope yeah, we have uh, um, maybe a lot of interest from, from the people that are that will be listening. And if there is any question or anything, so don't hesitate to contact uh, directly Christophe or you can contact me at info at easymedicaldevice.com, I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com. Okay, Christophe, so thank you very much and I wish you a nice day. Thank you so much, Munir. Have a nice day. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.